Welcome to another inspirational message from Church on the Rock Pile. Thank you for listening. And if you would like more information, you can visit us at www.therockchurch.co.za. Hi everyone, so good to see you. Well, last week I spoke about Elijah and how God gave him a word that he had to give to King Ahab. And Elijah told Ahab that it would not rain, nor would dew come from the ground until he said so. In other words, he was saying, I've talked to God and it's going to stop raining and it won't begin again until I say so. Come on, man, that's a bold word. And I talked about evaluation because the only thing that improves in your life are the things that you evaluate. Experience is not the best teacher. Evaluated experience is the best teacher. And I spoke about how God told Elijah to go there, to the brook and hide there. And God said he would use a raven to feed him there. And then the brook dried up. And that's where I want to start today. So if you're ready for the word, say after me and really say it like you mean it. My heart's open. My mind's ready. I won't be the same again. In Jesus name. Amen. Are you ready? Well, 1 Kings 17, reading from verse 7, tells us, Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath, in the region of Sidon, and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he got to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. God said, I've directed a widow there to provide you with food. She didn't even know. She had no clue what was coming. She had no understanding what is about to happen in her life. Verse 10. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called. And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil, olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die, that we may eat it and die. So today I want to talk about when God puts some weight onto you, onto your life. And I want to ask, what do you do when God requires you to carry a heavier thing. How many of you have ever backpacked? I've done most of the trails in South Africa. I love it. Not only that, but I still carry a backpack wherever I go, to work, on holiday, everywhere. It's a great, well-built backpack. But I've learned something about backpacking. I backpack as light as I can. I really do. You might find my iPad in there, but normally the heaviest thing is my glasses case. Now, my backpack is quite large. It really is. But my wife's is half the size, if not smaller. But if I pick hers up, it is really, really heavy. It weighs more, much more than twice mine. And to me, hers is heavy. But to her, it's just normal, right? It's heavy to me because I'm not used to carrying her bag. And she's just like, oh, leave me alone, Mark. I'm used to carrying it. You know, it's not that heavy for me. I need all this stuff. I need all this stuff. That's debatable. But I think about some of you, some of you have most probably might have picked up some heavier weight in your life, on your life, over this COVID Syrian. 
and there may have been some things that might have put a little bit more into your bag, into our bags of life than we used to carry, and it's made things a little weighty. What used to feel light is now a little bit heavier for us, and we have to work a few more muscles than we used to. And you, you need to know, you've got to know, there are two types of weight, two types of weight that we carry in life. The one is maybe what some of you picked up in the last year, and that is the weight of burden, burden, which is the kind of weight that comes through pain. It comes through disappointment. It's the weight you get when you get the doctor's report that you weren't expecting, or your spouse walks out on you, and, and you thought they were for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer. You thought the covenant was the same one that you made, and they still left and put a weight on you. It's the weight put on you when, when they were retrenching and sent out an email to say that a third of the staff had been laid off and your name was on the list. It's a weight that, that gets put on you, which maybe some of you picked up through this past year. However, there is another kind of weight that God puts on our life. And it's the kind that is meant to grow us, to grow us. It's not meant to burden us. It's not meant to burden you with anxiety or worry, stress or doubt. And the Bible says that we ought to cast all our cares on him because he cares for us. The Bible goes on to say that be anxious for nothing, nothing, but in all things give thanks. And this is the will of God. The Bible says that if I'm anxious about anything, anything, I'm supposed to pray with prayer and supplications. Let my request be made known to God. And the God of peace will fill my heart and mind in Christ. Are you with me? So I want to talk about the kind of weight that God puts on you in order to grow you. If you never get a weightier thing put on you, if you never allow your faith to stand up under something heavier, it will never grow. And so if you want to have bigger muscles, you have to use more weight for resistance. So when you go to the gym, as they're opening up now, if you can easily lift 5 kgs, and all you ever lift is 5 kgs, don't expect your arms to get any bigger. Don't expect them to grow in any way and get stronger. You have to pick up, you have to lift a heavier weight. And I believe it's the same with faith. If you want to move into greater blessing, greater victory, a greater presence of God in your life, then you have to be willing to pick up a greater weight. If, you, if you're okay just living a life of little faith and little blessing, little influence, you know, a little destiny, then stick with the weight that you've got. But then you can't walk around with the light weight and expect to get the results of the heavy weight. You know, expect God to do big things in your life. You have to be willing to pick up a heavier weight. Are you with me? This is what happened to the widow. Last week, we looked at it from Elijah's perspective. Today, I want to flip it. I want to flip the perspective and look through the lens of the widow. Elijah has made a request that puts a weight on her. She already has no food at home. And so she tells him, I can't make you bread. I was just going to make enough for me and my son to eat, and then we're going to die. And some of us would want to say, come on, Elijah, leave her alone. She's dealing with enough right now. She doesn't even know how she's going to feed her family. She thinks she's about to die. Elijah, why are you saying this? Elijah, why are you doing this? You're so hard on her. Come on, give her a break. 
You know, the top God's little counselors, God's little helpers. However, we cannot miss it in the text that the Bible says the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. This request was not from Elijah. It was the word of the Lord through Elijah to this woman. That's why I want to caution you that when you feel a heavier weight coming on you, don't just rebuke it or run from it immediately. You don't, No, no. Because it could be the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord coming to you. God is not trying to crush you. He is trying to grow you and develop something deeper in you for what he has prepared that lies ahead. If you want a heavier thing in your life, you have to carry a heavier weight. So I'm going to give you four thoughts about when God puts a weight, a heavier thing on you. And I encourage you to take notes because you won't remember this. And so you're ready for point number one. Number one is the weight places a greater demand. The weight places a greater demand. That means if you live at the level of your comfort and resist the weight that God wants to use to grow you, nothing more will be demanded of you. But then also nothing more will come out of you. You will just have what is currently flowing out of your life. To grow you, you have to embrace the weight. When you started a new job, when you get a promotion, or you go from one grade to the next at school, it demands something of you. That's the previous grade that you were at or job didn't. It's actually the point of progressing. If it took you as a six-year-old, you know, preschool, and placed you in a high school, there would not be enough in you to be ready for that moment. And God works the same way. He will add a little weight and then a little weight and then a little weight and then some more weight. Why? Because he's wanting to get something from you that hadn't been demanded of you before. You will understand this if you, if you, a parent, that baby came into the world and you held it for the first time and all of a sudden there was a demand placed on you that had not been there before. You had never ever loved the way you're loving now. When you now hold that little little body in your arms, you never ever felt that protective instinct, mother Alma, I'm here to look after this before. Why? The weight of parental responsibility puts a greater demand on you, which causes something greater to come out of you. The weight that God is putting on you is to call a greater gift out of you, a greater leadership, a greater level of influence. And Jesus was teaching thousands of people and he found out that they were hungry, they starving, that they've been listening to me all day, they need something to eat. So he turned to his disciples and he said, how are you going to feed them? Can you imagine, how are you going to feed them? The Bible tells us that he had in mind what he was going to do but he was putting a demand on them. He was putting a weightier thing on them. How are you going to feed these 5,000 plus people? All they had was five loaves and two fish. But the fact that he said to them, how are you going to feed them? Put a demand on them that caused something to come out of them that would not have happened otherwise. Then a little while later, Peter is in a boat in the middle of a storm and Jesus walks by on the water. It doesn't say that he was stopping and he was going to the boat. No, he was just walking by. In fact, he was just taking a shortcut to the other side. I'm being serious. I'm not joking. He was doing that. And they thought it was a ghost. 
And they shouted, Lord, if it's you, call us to come out to you. And Jesus says, okay, come. Now, here's the interesting part. Jesus didn't say, Peter, come. He just said, come. All 12 of them could have walked on water that day. But Peter was the one that responded to the weight of the call. He was the one that stepped out onto the water and it demanded a greater level of faith. But you need to know, it was also Peter who got the privilege of speaking on the day of Pentecost. And 3,000 people came to faith in Jesus Christ. So I'm just telling you, if you want a greater blessing, you have to carry a greater weight. If you want greater influence, carry a greater weight. If you want greater anointing, carry a greater weight. If you want greater in your life, you have to carry a greater weight. And it will demand something of you. You can push it aside. And some people do that. They don't want it. You know, it's this demand of the weight. No, no, I don't want that in my life. And then we spiritualize it, right? Come on. I need a break. From what? This is our favorite Christian phrase. I believe the Lord is directing me to, to step back just for a little bit. No. You're stepping back from the call of God. How can you do that? The gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. That's what my Bible tells me. How do I step back from my calling? How do I step back from my purpose? Where, you, where you're actually in a place where you were, I'm really tired. Were you actually tired? Or is it that you just didn't want to carry the weight? God is trying to grow you in what he wants you to become. And you need to be somebody that leans into it. He wants something to come from you that was not there before. He wants you to be stronger, but you have to be willing to pick up the weight. It's not the weight of burden, but he will call you to make bread where you can't see where the supply to make the bread is coming from. He's not trying to crush you. He's trying to grow you with me. Number two, the weight clarifies my perspective. The weight clarifies my perspective. The widow said to the prophet, as surely as the Lord your God lives. These are the exact same words Elijah said in verse 1. As confident as Elijah was that the Lord Yahweh was alive and there would be no rain, she was as confident that God was alive and that she could not make any bread. How's that for faith in the wrong direction? That happens when your faith isn't clarified. As surely as God is alive, I can't be used. As surely as God is alive, I'm not that gifted. As surely as God, as surely as and the devil has you placing faith in reverse. You need to clarify your perspective. The only reason she thought that she couldn't meet the demand is because she saw her supply through natural eyes. And you will always think that you are underqualified if you do that. And so she said, I only have a handful of flour and a little bit of oil in my jug. It actually didn't matter what she had in her hand. It was the call that God put on her that counted. And if he puts a call there, I'm telling you now, and he says go there, then he will supply the need. Do you believe that? I do. Where there is a God vision, he supplies the provision. You may have little in your hands right now. But you serve the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. 
He even owns the hills. Then as surely as your Lord God lives, whatever he says will come to pass. And the word of God came to the man of God that there would be enough bread in the house. It's interesting that Elijah asked for bread when bread was what she really needed. In the Bible, the presence of God or the spirit of God is likened to a couple of metaphors. One is water, um, the other is rain, and another is bread. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and Bethlehem means house of bread. So if you've got Jesus, you've got all the bread that you need. You've got all the presence of God that you need. If you have Jesus, you have everything that you need. And you may think, I'm not adequate. I'm not gifted. It doesn't matter what you think. Just have the presence of God. Just have the bread of God. If you have the bread of God in your house, I'm telling you now, you've got everything that you need. So the weight clarifies your perspective. It's like those five loaves and two fish that this little boy had. And we don't know if the disciples robbed him or if he willingly gave it. We don't know. We don't know with those 12. I mean, they were an interesting bunch of guys. But all we do know is that they brought it to Jesus. Your perspective matters so much because was it five loaves and two fish or was it a feast? Was it a rod in the hands of Moses or was it the power to part the Red Sea? Was it a sling and a stone or was it a giant killer? I don't know. It depends on what you see. Was it mud on his eyes or was it the ointment that healed the blind man? Was it a cross or was it a bridge for all of lost humanity to cross over and find salvation in Jesus Christ? Was it a hollowed out cave created for dead people to be buried in? Or was it the opportunity for the Son of God to display the power of God on the earth and get up out of that grave? It depends on what you see. It depends on your perspective. And I, I do know one thing. I do know that if you will receive the weight, it will clarify your perspective. All I have is a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. I can see that as lack, as not enough. Or I can see that as enough to feed us until it starts raining again. I can see it as struggle. Or I can see it as an opportunity. I can see it as hurt. Or I can see it as a place for God to heal. I could see my past mistakes as a waste of my time. Or I can see them as the platform for my greatest ministry. It really matters what you see. Now the next step is the critical step. This is the step where most people stop. This is where they come to a place where they put the weight down. Remember she said, I'm going to make bread and die. I don't have the supply. I'm empty is what she's saying. Well then from verse 13, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, Make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain upon the land. Go do what you are going to do. But first make me some bread. So thought number three is this. Number three. The weight tests my faith the weight 
tests my faith. Most people put the weight down because they don't want the test. There comes a point for every single one of us, I believe, no matter who you are, where we need to cross the line like Peter, where we have to step out of the boat and actually put a foot on the water. There comes a moment when you have to then lift the other leg. The second one took more faith, I think, and actually then take a step out of the boat. And it's a decision point. It's a testing point. And God does not tempt you, but he will test you. He will test you to see if your faith is stronger. Can you carry a weightier thing without becoming bitter or negative? And there comes a moment of decision. Am I going to go through with the test? Am I going to step forward? Am I going to take a lead, a, 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 a step and a lead a life group? I thought about stepping into a dream team, but I don't want that weightier thing. I thought about stepping out and tithing. I thought about forgiving that person that I had bitterness towards. But am I going to step out and actually carry the weight? It's easy to talk about it in the boat. It's easy to philosophize about it there. Well, you know, I just love what the church is doing. Man, I just love how they serve people, how they care for the poor. I love the way they help people through their life groups. I mean, the kindness that they show to people around them. They are kingdom builders, but I don't want to step out the boat. I love observing. I like observing, but, but I don't know if I, if I want to participate. Here's the reality. If your faith can't be tested, then it can't be trusted. Hard words. If your faith can't be tested, then it can't be trusted. You have to test something to see if you can trust it. That's why buildings have inspectors to test the structure to see if it's able to hold up under pressure because there are people inside and there's a chance that it might fall down. God isn't going to give you influence until he tests you a little bit. Can I trust you to carry a weighty thing? This is God. Can I trust you to be faithful? Can I trust your integrity, your character? I'm going to put you through a test. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and how they were tested. God said, can I trust you? When Nebuchadnezzar asks you to bow down, that you won't do it. In the future, I will need you to be a mouthpiece to the to the powers of the land and if I think you can bow down to one then you can bow down to another and I need to test you if they tell you to do something against the word of God are you going to do it anyway and then just justify it or are you going to stand firm even if they throw you into a fire God's saying I've got to know because I want to promote you I want to bless you I want to give you influence but I can't put you there if I can't trust you here I'm not going to put you on the platform if you can't sweep the floor or carry out the trash. I've got to put you through a test. Do you know what I've learned about tests? They are better in groups because God created us for community. Can I tell you what you need in this season? You need the right people around you. I don't know if Shadrach would have made it by himself or if Meshach would have made it by himself or Abednego. I don't know if they would have. But all three of them together, they stood. They stood as one. And the Bible tells us that a threefold cord cannot be broken. 
all three of them standing together. They got into the fire together. They also got out of the fire together. You need some people that will stand with you and will say, I'm not going down and neither are you. We are going to stand strong in this thing together. I'm not going to let your marriage fall apart. You know, you want to get hooked again on, on, on your drugs. No, no, no. I'm going to be there for you. I'm not going to let you do that. I'm not going to let that cancer take you. I'm going to sit with you through the chemo. I'm going to lay hands on you. I'm going to anoint you. I will be there for you. But I'm not going down and nor are you. We are in this together. That is why you need a small life group of people. A life group. That's why we call it life group. So that you can be there for each other. One that works for you. You need people around you that don't allow you to isolate yourself and are prepared to get in your face who say, when you go through a test, I'm going to walk with you and we're going to make sure that you pass the test because we see the call of God on your life. You need people that are for you. Some of the decisions you made and the pain that you experienced would have been better, I believe, last year if you hadn't been isolated. We set up life groups for, for all of us with that in mind because we all need people. And can I encourage you, if you're on a Zoom or a virtual group, if you can afford it, show your face. We love connecting people to people, not voice to voice. And you and I need people. So don't step back or take a break from the wait. Why? Because finally, number four. Number four is the wait prepares you. The wait prepares you. For what, Mark? I don't know what. God is preparing you for something. I don't know what it is, but I can tell you what he is preparing the widow for. Verse 17. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my son and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord. Verse 22, the Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Whew. Let me ask you a question. What if when Elijah came, she had resisted the weight? I don't want to make you bread. It's too hard. I only have a little bit of flour and, and a little bit of oil. You're asking too much of me. I don't want the weight. I don't want to be tested. Stop speaking into my life. Leave me alone. If that had been her response, where would she have been? Where would she have been when her son stopped breathing? She would have been without hope, without answers and nowhere to turn. She may even have become angry at God. And the ironic thing is God was trying to prepare her for weightier things. He didn't want her to just, you know, see bread multiply. He was preparing her to see the dead come back to life. And I don't know what God is preparing you for, but I know this. It's greater than what you have right now in your life. And I know that you won't step into it unless you are willing to pick up a weightier thing. Is it going to put a demand on you? Yes. Will it take you out of your comfort zone? Definitely. 
Will it force you to look at things in a different way as it tests you? Yes, absolutely. But it will ultimately prepare you for all that God has for you. Are you prepared to pick up the weight? There is so much God has planned and purposed for you. Step into it. The best is yet to come. Let's pray. Wherever you are at home, I want to say to you, just bow your head right now. Maybe today God is wanting you to surrender the first weight I spoke of, and that's the burden, the burden of sin. He's wanting you to start at that point of surrender where you say, God, here I am with all my best. I give myself to you. And in exchange, he gives you all his grace. The Bible says we have all sinned. In other words, we've all blown it. It's a different kind of weight. And the Bible tells us the gift of God is eternal life. And it's found in Jesus. And today you can have a brand new beginning. And you can know that your sins are forgiven. Not because you're online or you're watching church right now, no. But because you received the free gift of salvation that's found only in Jesus. And so if you're sitting there right now in a place where you want to say, God, I'm yours, forgive me. Then just repeat the simple prayer after me right now. Just pray it as I pray it with me. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. Today I make you my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Fantastic. Do you know that the Bible says because of the decision you just made, the whole of heaven is rejoicing? So if you've given your life to Jesus, stay tuned for some important information. But until then, share hope, show kindness, and shine Jesus.